0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the voice of God as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Then I got to thinking. You know, it must have been the Lord that put into my mind Why don't you flip the top down and go up the coast (laughs) You know It seemed like so me Because I love the ocean and all It seemed like such a natural thought That I really wasn't aware At that moment in Hollywood that it was actually the Spirit of God speaking to me and directing me to this couple that were really searching for the Lord as much as anything else. Because they were wide open to receive the witness and, and all. And yet, I realized, hey, God was directing me. Because it, it, though I love the coast being that well, along on my way in the inland route, I don't like Sunset Boulevard and all the signals going out to the coast. And yet, suddenly I realized it was the Lord leading me. Now, it wasn't something mystical and, and you know, there wasn't thunder and lightning and, and great winds and earthquakes or anything else. It was just a very natural way. And what the Scripture is saying is that God usually speaks to us in very natural ways. Don't expect God to to speak in some earthquake or, in fact, it's awfully hard to hear God many times when our earth is shaking around us. It's awfully hard to hear God in the midst of the tempest and the storms of life. It's hard to hear God when it seems like everything around us is being consumed. Many times we need to get our hearts very quiet before God. We need to get away from the tempest. We need to get away from the shaking and the things around us to get alone to where I can really hear that still small voice of God within as he guides me, as he assures me of his love, as he assures me of his purpose. And I get the strength and the help from God when he speaks to me. And it's that still small voice within So natural that it seems like it comes maybe even from your own heart or your own mind. But in reality, it is God speaking to you. and It's always an exciting experience. When I come to the realization that that thought didn't come out of my own subconsciousness, that thought came to me from God. God planted that thought in my mind. That still small voice, it was God speaking to me. And and it's beautiful. It's a glorious experience to hear the still small voice. The Lord said, repeated the same question, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah still didn't understand the question. He answered the Lord the same way I've been very jealous for you, for Israel has forsaken the covenant. They've broken down your altars. They've slain your prophets. I only, I am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Now, the question was, what are you doing here? Not, why are you here? So the Lord got then to specifics with this upset prophet because in reality, he was doing nothing. He was hiding Doing nothing. He had had put himself out of service. He was out of commission. There was no one to witness to down there. There was no work for God to be done in that barren wilderness. So he was doing nothing. God doesn't like for us to do nothing. And so the Lord recommissioned him. He said, now look, get out of here and get on up to Damascus. And when you get there, Anoint Haziel to be the king over Syria. And then get down and anoint Jehu to be the king over Samaria. And then anoint Elisha to take your place and all. God put him back to work. God got him away from this place of hiding in a cave, of doing nothing, and commissioned him back into service for the Lord. Even as God wants to get you off your duff and get you back doing something that's worthwhile for him. And then the Lord sort of puts a little thing on the end. Elijah, you were exaggerating. For I have 7,000 men in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose lips have not kissed his image. I only, I am left. No, no, you're not alone. I've got 7,000. God knew them. God had been observing. So he departed from there and he found Elisha. And Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. Actually, there were 10 before him and he had the 12th beside him. And as Elijah passed by, he took his mantle and he threw it on him, and Elisha left his oxen there and came running after Elijah, and he said, wait a minute, I pray you, let me go back and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and I will follow you, and he said, go on back to your oxen, what have I done to you? But he returned back, and he took a yoke of oxen, and he killed them, and he boiled their flesh, and he gave it to the people, and he ate, and he arose and went after Elijah, and became the servant of Elijah. Now Ben-Hadad, who was presently the king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts together, and there were 32 kings that went with him with their horses and chariots, and they came up and besieged Samaria, and they warred against it. And he sent messengers to Ahab, the king of Israel, the city, and he said unto him, Thus saith Ben-Hadad, Thy silver and thy gold is mine, your wives and your children, the best of everything you have, it's mine. And so the king of Israel answered and said, My lord, O king, according to your saying, I am thine and all that I have. So he asked for complete capitulation. I want all your gold and silver. I want all your wives, all your, you know, all of your possessions. So Ahab was surrendering, He said, you know, everything I have, it's yours. So Ben-Hadad wasn't satisfied. He sent back his messengers again and said, Thus spaketh Ben-Hadad, saying, Although I have sent unto you, saying, that you shall deliver to me your silver, gold, wives, and children, yet I will send my servants unto you tomorrow about this time, and they will search through your house and the house of your servants, and it shall be whatever is pleasant in their eyes, They shall put it in their hand and take it away. And the king of Israel called his elders together and he said, Mark, I pray you, look how this guy is is just really seeking a fight. He doesn't want, you know, just our gold and silver and wise. He wants a fight. And so all the elders that were with him said, Don't hearken to him, don't consent. And therefore he sent messengers to Ben Hadad and he said, Tell my lord the king all that you did send for your servant at the first will do. But this other request that you have made, we're not going to do it. And so the messenger departed, brought him word again, and Ben-Hadad sent unto him and said, The gods do so to me and more also, if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for the handfuls for all of the people that follow me. And he said, you know, if everyone took the dust of Samaria, there wouldn't be enough for for the number of people I have, you know, to even have a fistful of dirt. I've got so many people that I'm coming against you with. And so the king of Israel answered and said, tell him, let not him that girds on his harness boast himself as though he was putting it off. In other words, (laughs) don't count your chickens before they hatch. And so it came to pass when Ben-Had had heard this message as he was drinking and his kings in the pavilions, he said to his servants, set yourself in array. And so they set themselves in battle array against the city. And behold, there came a prophet to Ahab, the king of Israel, and said, thus saith the Lord, have you seen this great multitude? Behold, I'm going to deliver it into your hand today, and you will know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, By whom? And he said, thus saith the Lord, even by the young men, the princes of the provinces. Then he said, who shall order the battle? And he said, you. And so Ahab numbered the young men, the princes from the provinces. There were 232 after them. He numbered the people, all of the children of Israel, 7,000. They went out at noon and O Ben-hadad was drinking himself drunk in his pavilions he with his kings and the young men of the princes of the province went out first Ben-hadad sent out and told them saying there are they, they sent they came to Ben-hadad and said there are men coming out of Samaria And so he said have they come out if they've come out for peace take them alive if they've come out for war take them alive So the young men of the princes of the province came out of the city and the army followed them, and they slew every one his man. The Syrians fled. Israel pursued them. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with his horsemen. And so the king of Israel went out, and he smote the horses, the chariots. He slew the Syrians with a great slaughter. And the prophet came to the king of Israel, said unto him, Go and strengthen yourself, and mark, and see what you're doing. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against you again. In other words, now strengthen yourself, fortify things, because at the end of the year, the guy's going to be back. And so the servants of the king of Syria said unto them, the problem is their gods are the gods of the hills. That's why they were able to defeat you. Now, if you could fight them in the valley, then you could defeat them, because their gods are the gods of the hills and not the gods of the valleys. Now, of course, they thought of gods in, in localized sense, We should never think of God in a localized sense God is what we say omnipresent That means he's everywhere at once Therefore it is wrong to think of God in a locality Sometimes we think of God in a localized sense in heaven And he seems very far off and remote Because I don't know where heaven is It's out there in space somewhere but I'm pointing out in the space this way, but, you know, if you realize the earth is actually round, and so you'd be pointing it down that way, through the earth and out in space the other direction. So I'm, I may head out, you know, in space looking for God, but I may be going the wrong direction in space. If I think of God in, in a locality, you know, heaven, wherever that may be. Or if I think of God here in the church, in a locality... And and so often, even in our prayers, we sort of express the idea of of God dwelling here. Lord, we are so thankful that we can come into your presence this evening. We can gather here together in your presence. Well, hey, you were in his presence when you left home tonight. You were in his presence when you were driving out here. You can't escape the presence of God. And, And thus, it's wrong to think of God in a locality, and yet... That was the pagan concept of God. He's the God of the hills. Now that was your problem. You let them fight you in the hills and their God is the God of the hills. That's why you were defeated. Next time, fight them in the valleys because their God is the God of the hills, not the God of the valleys, and you'll be able to defeat them. So they said, now gather your army again, all of the kings, all the chariots, and go up again the second time. And so ben hadad got the forces of Syria together, and he came up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered. All that were present went out against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. They were totally, hopelessly outnumbered. But the Syrians filled the country. They were just like two little flocks. And, and here the whole vast number of Syrians... And there came a man of God and spake to the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, but not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I'm going to deliver this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, the interesting thing to me at this point is that though Ahab had turned against God and was a very wicked king, still God was continuing to speak to him. You know, though you may turn your back on God, And though you may go your own way, God continues to speak to you. God doesn't just forsake you and let you go, though you may have forsaken him. God is continuing to speak after this guy has turned his back, so long his back has been turned against God, and yet God is still speaking to him. As God continues to speak to you, Because he loves you And he's seeking to draw you unto himself And thus God doesn't cease his work speaking to man And so children of Israel came against them And they're in the valleys And wiped out uh, the Syrians Really worse this time than before The Syrians were fleeing Ben-Hadab was captured And he was brought back And he said unto him, The cities that my father took from your father, I'm going to restore them. And you shall make streets, will make streets for you in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. And then Ahab said to him, I will send you away with this covenant. So he made a treaty with him and sent him away. And a certain man, one of the sons of the prophets, came and said to his neighbor, Smite me, I pray you. And the man refused to smite him. And he said, all right, because you've refused to smite me, you've not obeyed the voice of the Lord. So as soon as you depart from here, a lion is going to slay you. So as soon as the man departed from the prophet, a lion slayed him. So he found another man and he said, smite me, I pray thee. And the man smote him in that he was wounded. And so he came and he waited for Ahab to come along. He disguised himself. He put ashes upon his face. And the king passed by, and he cried to Ahab, and he said, Thy servant went out into the midst of battle, and behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. And if by any means he is missing, then we will require your life for him. And this man got away from me, and now they want to kill me. And Ahab said, You've pronounced your own judgment." You said that it was your life for his life and you let him get away. Man, you've you've set your own judgment. And so the guy took off the disguise. And the king of Israel discerned that he was one of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, because you have let go out of your hand the man who I appointed to utter destruction, therefore thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went home and he began to live more carefully from that point on. But he was heavily displeased when he came to Samaria. Now it came to pass after these things that there was a fellow by the name of Naboth who had a vineyard down in the area of Mount Gilboa. And it was an excellent vineyard and it was next to property that Ahab owned. And Ahab desired Naboth's vineyard. And so he came to him and he said, I'd like to buy your vineyard, name your price. And Naboth said, hey, it's the family's. If I sell it, uh, then I'm selling that which is the family's property. I don't want to sell you the vineyard. It's, uh, it's not for sale. And so the guy started pouting. He was so upset, just sitting there pouting. And, and, and he, you know, someone has crossed him. He can't have his way. And so he's pouting, and his wife says, what in the world's wrong with you? And he said, oh, I just can't stand it. I want that vineyard of Naboth and all. And she says, well, quit your pouting. I'll get you the vineyard if you want the vineyard. And so she ordered the men of the city to uh, gather together, and she hired a couple of guys to lie against Naboth. So the the elders were gathered together and Naboth was there and these two men came in and they bore false witness. They said, we heard this man curse the king and curse God. And so the penalty for cursing God, of course, was being stoned to death. And so with the two men bearing witness against him, lying as they did, they, they killed Naboth. And of course, Jezebel just moved in and took his, Vineyard and gave it as a present to her husband So the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying Arise and go and meet Ahab the king of Israel which is in Samaria He's in the vineyard of Naboth He's gone down to possess it And you shall speak unto him saying thus saith the Lord Have you killed and taken possession? And you shall speak unto him saying thus saith the Lord In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth Shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine? So Ahab said unto Elijah, Have you found me, my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and take away your possession and cut off from Ahab all of his descendants. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like Bashar, in other words, the dynasty, the family dynasty is going to be gone. And he also spake against Jezebel, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And him that dies of Ahab in the city, the dogs will eat. Him who dies in the field, the fowls of the air, the vultures will eat. And there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whose wife Jezebel stirred him up. There is none any worse than this king. They did very abominably in following idols, according to all the things that the Amorites had done before them, the people that the Lord had cast out of the land.
0: We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Kings 19 through 21 when visiting the thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you, and may the blessings of the Lord surround your life as you walk with Him. May you experience the joys of His power, of His presence, and of His glory as God day by day showers you with His goodness and with His love. May you begin to experience greater victory in your walk with Jesus Christ. And so may God bless you and may God work in your life this week in a very special way. And may faith be increased as you study His Word.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. How always believe in you.
1: It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.